Genre. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing Ben from The Night of the Living Dead. And joining us for the discussion is producer Andrew. Welcome, Andrew. Hello. Glad to have you on for a classic zombie film, which famously never says the word zombie in it. I, I mean, I'm, I don't know. Like, is it even fair to call it a classic zombie film so much as like the zombie film yes it is like <laughs> generally identified as like the first modern zombie film because there are a few like there was even a film in the 30s that i think used zombie in the title that no one mm-hmm. remembers and like there's stuff that's kind of zombie adjacent like the somnambulist in uh oh uh cabinet of dr caligari right you know the things like that yeah. are kind of zombie-esque um well and like the the like the, the the original like like you said the 30s zombies it's like it's a weird kind of voodoo what, thing. well it's, it's like that and it's not Haitian, like yeah which is where yeah. like the our origin of like the the like story of of what we call zombies now that definitely comes from that folklore uh direction and has been adopted and changed and you know translated into pop culture and this is definitely one of the iconic examples of of you know that transformation but in a way that now feels like uh, you know the wave of what we feel like when we say zombie movies it's this this, this is it yeah like like it's it's kind of like like the platonic zombie story like this is the the platonic ideal of zombie mm-hmm. media even like if you watch if you watch the walking dead it's like oh the walking dead just did this movie for I don't know. I think they're on like nine seasons. It's got to be up there. I have not watched it. I think I saw the first half of the pilot episode at one point, and uh, it just it didn't quite grab me enough that I ever finished it, which is not I, I know it's hugely popular and successful. And and it, it, it's like reached the level of success where it's now as popular to say when you abandoned it, yet it still has millions of viewers. <laughs> like yeah. like it's, it's, and- it's that level of popularity where like the griping about it is its own subgenre of commentary. Um, so like like Big Bang Theory got into that territory, I think it's. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I watched three or four seasons of it when I was in college and kind of trailed off Mm -hmm. with it somewhere, somewhere around season four or five, I think. Um, But like, if you watch this and you've seen Walking Dead, you'd be like, oh, yeah, like the entire blueprint fundamentally for Walking Dead is is here. Yeah, Night of the Living Dead, 1968, small, like B-level film, if that. Like the budget was less than what a B-movie would get. Uh. Yeah, and and that doesn't mean that like Walking Dead's poor quality or anything or mm-hmm. derivative it, entirely. It's just like like the, the blueprints here, just the same way that like the blueprint for superheroes is kind of fundamentally present in action comics. You yeah. know, you like you have these things that are source texts. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I guess a little bit of more info about this. Night of the Living Dead is a 1968 film written by George Romero and John Russo and directed, filmed, and edited by George Romero. This man was all over this film. Again, uh, it, it, to even call it a B-movie makes you think it's like part of the studio system and they're doing cheap one. This was really like an independent production where they scraped together what money they could. Uh, Romero had been working in commercials and like 
a, I, my sense was like industrial training films <laughs> is what I could gather as I was like trying to figure out the wording that was being used to describe his his career before this. Um, and it uh, tells the story of a group of people trying to survive inside of a farmhouse during a zombie apocalypse. But in this case, they're called ghouls is the only uh, language that gets used. But it's it's lurching uh, recently dead people who are reanimated. Uh, so zombie definitely fits uh, for this. And it starred Dwayne Jones as Ben. Um, who's kind of our, uh, you know, it, it ends up being a group of, is it seven in total that are in the farmhouse that are alive? Uh, at, at I mean, that becomes kind of questionable pretty quickly. Yes. I mean, I, let's just say alive at one point. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you've got a, a handful of people, you know, enough to to say, OK, like this is a, a group. This is a small community. Yeah, you, you can um, 12 angry men, the small room drama. <laughs> Basically, um, but. But Ben becomes kind of the the core character. He is the agent mm-hmm. primarily. He is the one who's trying to do things it's like, OK, let's make a plan. Let's have an objective. Let's try to achieve something out of this. Um, yeah, I like that description beyond beyond mere survival, mm-hmm. um, even though he's not the initial character. Yeah, which is an interesting like narrative beat. The opening of this film is is very famous. Um, and uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, do you remember when you first became aware of night of the living dead or watched it for the first time. I, I know I recognized the name, like it became synonymous with um, older horror not, not modern horror, which I feel like is worth distinguishing in the context of this film. Um, And as like the kind of parody title of zombie content, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, the something of, or, you know, the living dead, walking dead and all those kinds of things. And, and so I feel like it's been part of the consciousness for me since I was a teenager. Yeah, probably. And even it, it, uh, a lot of this gets parodied in media that you don't know that this is what's being parodied. Uh, like I'm sure. And, and it might even be like, like three or four waves down. So that media isn't even parodying night of the living dead. Mm -hmm. Immediately, it's parodying something else that was parodying. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And so, like, even kids' cartoons, like, uh, do, you know, a zombie-themed episode. They're going to at least be referencing this, even if it's, like you're saying, like, a, f- a few ripples down from, from it. Yeah. Um, but then for watching it was in college. Um, I had a number of pop culture and film classes, as you can imagine, <laughs> in the American studies vein. And so this was in, in one of those. Um, I can't remember which one, like... I'm trying to narrow it down. I was like, oh, man, I had a bunch of different classes where we watched a lot of different films. I'm like, was it one that was more about like gothic and horror stuff or was it one that was like focused on films? I don't know. Yeah. And it's an interesting text because it is so important for the creation of a very long running genre that it has had, you know, uh, more rise in the in the last 15 years with things like uh the walking dead uh then and and like i zombie like all, all the like the zombie genre has had a renaissance so it's it's core for that tech uh for that but it's also um important for like uh the history of the film industry because it is one of those stories of like the little film that was made basically like what you call guerrilla filmmaking like everyone's on mm-hmm. the on the cast and crew uh and became so iconic and revolutionized uh, the horror genre and the zombie genre and, and um, is, is famous like for the business side of what it did um, in Hollywood. But then also it's got 
some really uh you know it's so rooted in the 1960s and some of the commentary uh that that surrounds the film and how it's discussing issues of race because the the main character uh ben is is the only uh black man in the film he's the only character color in the film and um it's got some significant uh moments (laughs) that are related uh to that even though um you know there's uh you know arguments from from the crew that it wasn't like entirely trying to make a racial statement but then there's other quotes floating around of like well we were making stuff in the late 60s everything was political of course (laughs) yeah like like well even if you don't mean it like it kind of has to be about race you can't you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, here's here's the quote from Romero. Uh, it was 1968, man. Everybody had a message. The anger and attitude and all that, that's just there because it was the 60s. We lived at the farmhouse, so we were always into raps about the implications and the meanings. So some of that crept in. Uh, and um, crept in is, yeah, yeah it, it's not always subtle, uh, I would say. <laughs> the idea of it creeping and, in. <laughs> and you were talking about like the the budget and the guerrilla filmmaking and everything. And I, I read some of the the Wikipedia stuff um, to to get prepared. Um, for this recording, and it earned more than 250 times its budget. Like that is one of the most profitable things you could possibly hope for. Yeah. So um, is, is I've a, got it. In the... A 250 percent return. <laughs> not, no, not even 250. Like 250 thousand percent return. Yeah. So Romero. Uh, let's see. Um, it it was made up. Uh, the cast was made up of the production company staff, local amateur actors, and friends and relatives of everyone involved. Like it was just all hands on deck. We need you to be a zombie. I mean a ghoul. Uh, and the final budget was one hundred fourteen thousand dollars, which is a lot of money for you know you're scraping it together. So it's it's not nothing at all. But you know that is drop in the bucket for a lot of film budget uh film budgets mm-hmm. even in the 60s but that would go on to make 12 million dollars in the u.s and 18 million dollars internationally and as you said that's one of the biggest returns in film history yeah it like that's a crazy return yes <laughs> yeah absolutely uh so some more trivia since we're kind of in here uh 97 positive rating on rotten tomatoes which that's uh that, that that's up there with some of the the best rated films that we've covered that is i believe as good as toy story yeah um and another quirk you had noted that you were kind of aware of the name night of the living dead before you actually like knew what this film was i think and Mm -hmm. part of that is it said so so looking up trivia about it it mentioned it's gone into public domain no real word on how or why because it seems a little early for that um so someone someone didn't renew something i guess is is what we can take away from that but because of that there have been so many <laughs> um, spins on this original text. So, uh, for example, a three-day uh, a three D remake was released in two thousand six. A computer animated three D remake was made in two thousand fifteen. There's a two thousand eleven film called Mimesis: Night of the Living Dead. That's sort of a meta version of the film. There have been four other remakes since two thousand twelve. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it, it, and and then there's also the fact that Romero did a remake that he was in, involved in in 1990 that was based on that original screenplay, but Romero himself did updates. Um, and that 1990 version, uh, there's more gore, not surprising, as the you know the mores of the horror genre had changed significantly. But also, mm-hmm. the character of Barbara was the other major change. Uh, I haven't seen that 1990 version, but so I read up a little bit about it and said um, Barbara is well, like an actual character <laughs> in the 1990 version. There's not a lot to Barbara yeah. in this version of the film. And I should say, like, I think you and I both like we don't consume a lot of horror. Like, there are people who consume horror constantly yeah. as as like one of their appetizing film uh, genres. And 
and that's never been something that we or our family have done. But like, I can appreciate this. And I can also appreciate that someone who loves horror would appreciate this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the level of horror that is in this in terms of like gore is not super high. There was definitely like pearl clutching and and cries for for banning it in Mm -hmm. the 60s when this was released. Uh, Particularly, uh, there's a scene uh, near the end when um, two people have died and uh, the the ghouls are eating their body parts and you you get some close ups of munching. Uh, But like it is less than what you see on primetime television on network TV these days. Like I zombie does yeah. more than what you get <laughs> from this or even um, Emily and I were looking for just, you know, kind of a background series that we can kind of follow and, and care about the characters, but it doesn't require our full attention. And so we, we saw blacklist on Netflix, uh, which I know ran, has been running for like seven years on ABC. I think it is. Um, mm-hmm. But like the level of gore in that just uh, again, like mainstream network TV, like the level of blood in there is worse yeah, than what like, I think you get in this. Like blacklist is not, like it's not a horror genre it's not supernatural no it's a spy one but they just they they will uh you know do do some uh, close-ups of uh, a lot of blood being let out of a human body <laughs> let's yeah. just say and if i if i recall from like the discussion in college like it's like chocolate it's it's like hershey syrup and fried chicken uh, <laughs> like that's how they're doing the the stuff here for the for the munching mm-hmm. but with the black and white and the right tone and everything like it's it it is effective yeah um another reason why these the name of this film maybe is so ingrained uh in in pop culture is um romero uh made i think it's five sequels uh to the film and it is let's see uh dawn of the living dead day of the living dead land of the living dead diary of the living dead and survival of the living dead so uh, <laughs> there's, uh, you, you know, he he knew where his bread was being buttered when it came to his film career. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, last bit of trivia that I wanted to make sure we touched on in 1999, the film was added to the National Film Registry, which is always like a little stamp of approval that I like to toss in when the films we're talking about have have been added to the film registry. I think it's a it's a like it's a worthwhile stamp of approval. Like not everything makes it in there. No, yeah. Wait, how many how many films per year do they add? I or is there a set the number? I don't know off the top of my head. It seems like when I'm looking at this, it's somewhere between like twelve and twenty are added per year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but, but that's covering like they, the entire history of film. Hey, you know. Yeah, and I think they've only been doing it since the '90s. Mm-hmm. So, like this made it, I think, relatively early into the into the registry collection. Yeah, and I, it's one that. As a student of pop culture, even if you don't love the horror genre, you're going to come across, right? You know, it, it's just mm-hmm. so impactful. Um, you you can't like be reading about pop culture in the 60s and probably not uh, avoid a reference to Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to do the full summary of the film, listeners. But before we do that, we want to thank you for downloading this episode. And we especially want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you'd like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we talk about the media we've been consuming that we are not covering as full episodes of the podcast yet. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. And we appreciate all our patrons and any new patrons who want to come along that would not be frowned upon at all so uh the plot summary for this which was delightfully straightforward uh to try and summarize here um we open up with barbara and johnny who are going to leave a cross on their father's grave and johnny is a bit of a jerk which uh is like the classic horror genre technique of like the first victims need to be unlikable johnny's unlikable 
uh, and uh, someone attacks Johnny in a lumbering, somewhat slow-moving sort of way. Barbara escapes in the car, but the attacker is still pursuing her. When the car hits a tree, she runs to a nearby farmhouse that she sees. Uh, she's able to get inside, and upstairs she finds a partially mutilated body. Uh, looking out the window, she sees more lumbering people approaching the farmhouse. A man named Ben shows up and attacks the closest of the approaching people and then boards up the windows and door as Barbara shuts down in shock. And that's going to be her mode for most of the film. <laughs> yeah, she's she's fairly glazed. Which, on the one hand, zombie apocalypse, a lot of people go into shock if that actually happened. <laughs> there there are more than a few people who are going to shut down. Yes. Uh, in real life, if this was occurring, yeah, lots of people, shock, like she literally saw her brother killed by, uh, by this weird lumbering foe uh, that we don't know yet is a reanimated corpse. Uh, so, so shock is earned, but on the other hand, like it's kind of unfortunate to just have this super agentive man saving the day as a woman shuts down in fear and shock. Uh, yeah. So after the repelling, the repelling the creatures that are outside, Ben and Barbara are surprised when people emerge from the cellar in the house. Harry and Helen Cooper are there with their young daughter, Karen, who was injured when a group of ghouls attacked their car and turned it over. Uh, there's also Tom and Judy, teenagers who came to the farmhouse seeking shelter after hearing an emergency broadcast about mass killings. Harry uh, argues with Ben about whether they should go hide in the cellar and just lock that door and try and wait it out. Or Ben wants to stay upstairs with the boarded up windows and doors saying we need to see what's going on and also this if we're up here we at least have a way to get out if we're down in the cellar and they get in and they get in through the cellar door there's no exit so we'd be trapped um so there's um a lot of fighting and arguing about this uh in the end some stay upstairs listening to radio and tv reports about cannibalistic reanimated corpses of the recent dead committing murders while posses of armed men have formed to attack the ghouls uh the ghouls can be stopped by bullets or blows to the head or by being burned and this is all caused or speculated to have been caused by radiation from a space probe that is returning from venus I love that they at least tried to give a pseudo explanation <laughs> like I remember that one like it's just okay, but you don't really need that. Like that's not part of the zombie lore <laughs> anymore. Like that has been completely dropped. That that definitely feels like a '60s coming in space race, right? Mm -hmm. '68 radiation after the space race. Yeah, the the atomic age. Like all that is uh is is rearing its head in a genre that doesn't usually or typically engage in that. And I'm all for genre mashing, but when this is going to become like the urtext of zombie films, feels a little odd <laughs> to have that tossed in there. Yeah, because I I think now like. Any zombie situation that you you can think of, like the default's going to be like, well, it's a virus. Yes, like it's, it's something it's, genetic. It's yeah, it's biological. We've moved from like the fear of the radiation to the fear of the genetic at this point mm -hmm. in terms of what is going to to transform, and, and that's even like a. You're going to update Spider-Man's origins, uh, you know, from the 60s. It's all radiation and every superhero yeah. origins radiation. And then, uh, you know, Spider-Man and Hulk, when Marvel's making movies in, in the 2000s, it's, it's like all genetics. It's all genetic based. This <laughs> yeah. how we're going to get get here. So it's just um, kind of updating what is our our uh, cutting edge science that's not really fully understood and is a little scary and feels like ethically murky as well. Um, okay, so Ben and Tom, and Tom again is that teenager, uh, they make a plan to go get to the truck that is outside and refuel it because on the news broadcast they heard uh, about some rescue centers that have been set up. So they think if we can get to the fuel pump, fuel, fuel pump that is on the farm, and it looks like a gas station fuel pump is here on the farm. Uh, yeah, it, it seems kind of weird. 
yeah, maybe that was a standard thing. I don't know. Uh, but if they can get to there and, and fuel up the truck, if they can get everyone into the bed of the truck and drive through these hordes and hopefully make a run for it. Uh, Judy, Tom's girlfriend, uh, can't handle being separated from Tom and runs out to join them, um, but kind of like hovers in a very dangerous <laughs> space between the house and the truck for a little bit. <laughs> um, the Tension. The, tension. It's yes. just the tension. But, uh, but the gender roles aren't the strongest. Like this is, uh, it has a lot of really fascinating racial uh, elements uh, to it, but, but the gender stuff is uh, yeah, the, needed to be updated in the 90s. The women don't do a ton. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so they're going, and, and uh, so at this point, it's Tom and Judy and Ben go to get the truck to the, to the gas pump. They get there. However, they are using fire to hold off the ghouls, which they are fueling up. <laughs> a truck next to a gas pump and uh this causes some issues and in the end tom and judy are in the truck when it explodes uh ben makes his way back to the house and uh harry was supposed to like hold the door but wait for him to get back uh but as soon as they were gone he pretty much nailed the door shut and just watched as ben uh came running back and he knew the door was harry is the worst yes Uh, Ben eventually gets there and he's able to break in and uh, Harry does come up and help re-nail the door shut uh, and Ben gives him such a look like this look should be like iconic <laughs> the look of anger that he gives him and then he punches him several times uh the ghouls uh feast on Tom and Judy's body and that's the the part that I think was probably most controversial yeah that that I think is the most like gruesome or graphic um mm-hmm. A bit of cannibalism in the film. Yeah. Uh, And then they return to the farmhouse and start to break through the windows. Uh, Ben and Harry fight over the gun as ghouls are beginning to break into the house. And in this fight, Harry is shot. I've got to say, like, this is one of the beats that doesn't quite work for me as far as, like, what was supposed to be communicated in terms of, like, like it does like, Ben gets control of the gun and shoots Harry, it seems. Uh, Yeah. And, like, the, the, the. I, I, like, is it how accidental versus mm-hmm. murder is it supposed to be? Yes, exactly. Uh, then Helen goes down to the cellar where her daughter Karen turns out to have died from her injuries. But then Karen rises up and kills her mom and starts to eat her because, you know, you don't have to be bitten Zombies. by a zombie in this version of zombie lore. Uh, though well, in, she could have been you as assumed, well. Yeah, unless you assume that she that was her injury. Yes. Was having been bitten, mm-hmm. but... But uh, like I, I mean, anyone recently dead, I think is is animating. Yes, that's what the, that's the and news so they're, reports. They're in in the window of reanimation. Mm-hmm. Barbara tries to help Ben hold the ghouls back, but then the ghoul of her brother Johnny drags her away and kills her. The horde is breaking in everywhere. Ben runs down to the cellar, bars the door to the cellar, uh, cellar, and shoots the the ghoul and corpses that are down there just for good measure. Uh, and again, we were told like being shot in the head is enough to to stop them. The next morning, uh, we see the posse of men sweeping through the countryside, shooting every ghoul that they see. As they near the farmhouse, Ben hears them, and he emerges from the cellar. He is mistaken for ghoul and shot, and his body is burned in a bonfire of the ghoul's bodies. The end. It's kind of a downer. Major. Okay, so, I mean, there's not much joy in this film. (laughs) Yeah, like that. (laughs) But, But, like, but usually, usually at the end of your, like, as as far as I know it, I mean, again, not a huge consumer of it, but at the end of like the classic horror film, like there's one virtuous person who makes it out and and like actually makes it out. Yes, there is a survivor. Or I think the alternative is like the horror like is wiping out humanity and there's just there's no one left. Right. Yeah. And and so like the the unnatural threat has won uh you know whatever it it happens to be for this kind of horror film uh you know uh, and but in this case like humanity is winning 
but our uh, who has become our protagonist, Ben, uh, gets shot by these idiots with guns who are just shooting anything that moves <laughs> as they're sweeping through. And, and I've got to say, like the imagery of uh, this all white posse with like bullet mm-hmm. bullet, you know, straps across their back, you know, and 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 the guns and and just shooting anything because this is how we're going to save the country. Like the, the imagery is surprisingly still part of our political schema <laughs> yeah, now there, there is there is race context to that <laughs> yes um and, and so yeah like you said it is just such a downer because um i i remember expecting the you know the the the, the seed of a happiness happy ending right <laughs> you know mm-hmm. someone made it but no uh no one made it and it was not the fault of the zombies it was the you know the men with guns walking through the countryside that were trying to save their country from this ha- zombie threat that is a noble cause but we're doing it a little indiscriminately and took out uh you know the the hero of our story yeah and i think that's one of the things that like really comes through with that that final moment is like he wasn't like the zombies didn't get him mm-hmm. it was the people who are cleaning up all the zombies mistook him for a zombie and it's like ah oh, but like but he's not a zombie and like we know it and then nobody else ever knows it right in the context of the film he does not get counted as a survivor he gets counted as just part of the mess yes um and this uh film i know i've never read it is at least partially uh based on or inspired by the book i am legend which i believe is more vampires are the threat in that uh, again i've never read it this is just me pulling back from, from college discussion yeah. have you ever I've read, read Iron legend i have not read it at all but um and i also have not seen the will smith film right which seems to i think that one's like not quite vampires but mm-hmm. more vampire than zombie right um and i'm just um uh, I didn't know if that was the end of it. I'm, I'm looking up a plot summary real quick online. It does not look like that's the end of that book. Uh, it looks mm-hmm. like um, he, the, the main character in I am legend does survive uh, to the end. So this was uh, Romero again, as the the writer director, uh, major creative voice behind this um, made the decision uh, that that Ben was not going to make it. Um, so one thing that I want to talk about is how is, in your mind or, or like what is the the source of like the suspense in this because it's you know as we said kind of famously uh the guerrilla filmmaking what can we do um do you remember like anything that stands out to you as far as how like the sense of horror is being portrayed outside of like um, the, the eating of the as you said like the hershey syrup over fried chicken <laughs> for, I, I, for i'd say i'd say like that is not the horror like i barely remember that as like mm-hmm. a tension moment or a horror element like there's i mean it's kind of shocking like the first time so i'm gonna like kind of run through you know chronologically and, and think through like where's the tension where's the 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 scare mm-hmm. um where at what point was I like clutching the corners of my my school desk <laughs> um and like the opening kind of gets you a little bit with just how out of nowhere the tone shifts as as the lumbering form attacks Johnny mm-hmm. um so that's kind of sudden because it's so like it everything is so empty up to that point um it's just the two characters and then out of nowhere, this guy shows up and you're like, oh, gosh, like what just happened? And it's not like the violence 
it, it's more like grappling than yeah. Like n- nothing's getting gouged. There's no biting. There's no blood. It's just a figure suddenly grappling, and they're screaming and and jostling. Uh, you know, uh, that's in some ways almost being implied more than even shown. And yeah, and Barbara's looking on and screaming. Yeah, and so like it's it's kind of so unexpected, based on like the pacing. Like it's kind of a quiet intro, mm-hmm. and and then you have that. Um, getting into the house, I think once they start like beating on the windows. You're feeling some of that pressure. Yeah. Um, and actually, earlier tonight, I, I like I got home from work and I went to use the restroom and my toddlers were beating on the door. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very upsetting <laughs> comparison in my mind. And so if you've ever and been in that kind of position. the door with toddlers when you're trying yeah, to go to the bathroom. It's like, there's actually a stunning similarity <laughs> in the visual. <laughs> And and the auditory experience of like pounding at the door and then hands and fingers like reaching through <laughs> and and grasping. I was like, oh, I really don't want that tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, but yeah. So like when you have now there's a group of them, right? Yeah. That's kind of like the next uh-huh. escalation of the threat. Um, and then the next big one I think is Karen, the daughter down in the cellar like the threat is is inside the house too yeah i think some of that i'm wondering are we carrying in like our lore of the zombie bite you know and and you know almost like the vampiric element of of zombieism and and, and, it's possible knowing that okay well she was attacked and she's she's not acting like herself and people are worried is she turning into a zombie um and, and and would that have been would that part have been present in the in the 60s i don't know yeah but it like somehow like i don't know if the like the zombie bite and the infection and someone in your party being infected but not turning quite yet like that became a, a zombie thing and i'm like is that stemming from this like did this accidentally create a it, like a critical trope element oh yeah cuz cuz it is so common especially like now that so much of uh the zombie lore is about uh you know drugs or genetics or you know a uh, virus you know that, that mm-hmm. you're getting infected uh as uh, as part of the zombie invasion yeah well but also like the fact that you think you're safe and then someone that is safe is going to become mm-hmm. unsafe right that transformation that transition from someone in your party yeah um becomes you know, a big part of the the message of zombie stories is like, okay, but like, what if anybody can suddenly turn on you? Yeah, um, kind of thing. And so, um, and I mean, honestly, like, little girl monster is creepy. Oh yeah, that that's always a, a well that gets you know drawn from many times in the horror <laughs> genre. And, well, and, and so, even in the uh, like like the horror, but also like the 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 kind of safer horror will still definitely use like the little kid talking in a strange voice. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, whether it's like Doctor Who episodes have definitely uh, done that many times. Uh, you know, all the all the in the early or late nineties, early two thousands, like there's this wave of, like the PG thirteen horror, and a lot of them had you know the the girl with the hair over the hair, yeah, <laughs> over the yeah. head, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so I remember that being like a. a- fairly intense moment and you're like oh karen no um and then i think in kind of the last wave it's the moment you see johnny again mm-hmm. um that that kind of jumps out yes definitely uh and 
you know, like I said, he w- he was a jerk before, and you didn't really mind him dying. <laughs> um, it's yeah. the character with permission to be the first victim uh, from the from the audience uh, uh, trope of, of of horror films. But when he comes back and he's the one that grabs Barbara, it's like, oh man, <laughs> it's yeah, it definitely does grab you. And um, Karen, uh, they do it all with shadow, but when she's stabbing her, the, mom, the shadows like, are quite effective in in this black and white like with the high contrast the shadow work in this is just amazing and that's so much of it i think is really coming through with camera angles and lighting and the way the mise-en-scene of how like the shots are being done like i was impressed with the number of different camera angles that were used in a scene it was not like okay guys we got one camera we're pointing at everyone do your thing it was lots of different angles um being used to to craft the scene and piece it together and each angle that was being chosen definitely was adding to like the sense of entrapment for these characters how closed in they were um you know things that were uh feeling like they were coming in from the edges of the frame and that is them that's a really good point because i remember um now that you say it like i didn't i didn't realize it in in watching the movie very much but um like the space that they have in the farmhouse closes in Mm-hmm. right you know like initially it's like okay like we've got this entire farmhouse and the space around it and then it seems like it's just tightening tightening it's like well now the vehicle is not an option yeah and then it's like okay well we've got like this living room and then the basement and then it's like okay it's just the cellar uh-huh well and and even so it just even creeps uh, in, creeps in, creeps in. there's a couple rooms because they have like the radio in one room and the tv in the other and they eventually they bring them both to the same space <laughs> like mm-hmm. we're, 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 we're cutting off there um so yeah i think i think you're right that there's definitely a deliberate choice of like a um tightening uh you know the the the, the vice tightening here they kind of um i mean they, there's a similar thing in um signs the Shyamalan film signs mm-hmm. um where they realize like oh we can't board up all the windows so we have to like close off doors yeah and we take up a smaller space inside the house. I've got to say one thing that did stand out to me in this when Ben's like, okay, I've got to board up the windows, board up the doors. One of the first things he does is he takes um, some of the like doors from other rooms in the house and brings them and puts them. I'm like, oh, why don't I see that move no anytime one's, anyone's got to yeah, board up something? <laughs> that is so that much is, space being covered. <laughs> yes. Doors are huge. Like <laughs> yeah. all your interior doors are now just wood panels. Yeah. And I don't think I see that. It feels like that's something that should have been taken from this film. <laughs> Um. So should we talk about should we talk about Ben like his characteristics yeah. and everything? Uh huh. Um. One thing that I think stands out is, uh, he has like we've said like he he's the agent that is going to be making choices and making plans, but and he's competent, but he's not like the I know exactly what to do kind of competent. It's like something needs to be done. We're doing something. Uh, kind of competence. Yeah. yeah he he is all about it's like well I'm gonna be doing something right. Mm-hmm. Like I am going to get the tools that I can. I'm going to get the equipment I can. I am going to take action. I don't have a precise plan. I'm, I'm not like, he does not think of himself as like, I'm a survivor. I'm going to make it through this. Like, he's just like, things need to be happening. And there's like, uh, I mean, we've talked about how like the zombie genre has its own like range of things, but it feels like in a lot of zombie stories, like you get the one person who like, uh, is ready. You know, mm-hmm. like whether because they're they're a big game hunter or uh, they're they're a war vet or you know, there's some reason that they are the one that's prepared for this moment, uh, and and you know everyone like looks to them, and that's not his character at all. It's just 
I, I, I'm going to be boarding up these windows because there's a threat out there, <laughs> you know, and, and he's, he's constantly moving and, uh, you know, not just moving, but also planning his next move, uh, to, as you said, not just like survive the night, but also like, how, how are we going to get out of the situation is, is his motivating factor. Whereas like the people who come out of the cellar, it was like, how do we hide to survive the night? <laughs> and he's got to like, well, surviving the night is not going to solve, help us at all tomorrow. <laughs> and I think they do it or- like a pretty effective thing where he is when he's like boarding things up and he's doing the work, they show that there's enough time going on. We are like, okay, well he must be thinking Mm -hmm. like he's not just on adrenaline here. He's got to be using his brain while he's doing this. This is menial labor. So what's going on in his head? But it's like also like they, he, can, they he, convey that he he's does like, go he's through busy, and assess the, what tools are there. Like you see him going through the toolbox and and uh, you know laying out what what options he has before him. Uh, the, going through uh, you know dumping out a nail bin and, and finding the right size nails for what he needs. Yeah, like there's enough moments uh, that are doing that. But at the same time, like the the music is is still like lurking, uh, like keeping the pressure on the audience <laughs> in those mm-hmm. moments, so that it's not. Um, you know, uh, a release uh, in there. Like you still feel like there's a threat out there constantly. Yeah. And so I think that it's, it's really well balanced in that where you do get that sense of like, okay, man of action, but also he is trying to think of something, right? He, like you said, he doesn't know what to do, but he is thinking about what to do, mm-hmm. which I think in, that's not a characteristic that you get a ton, right? You get people who in, in movies, like you get, okay, I've made a decision, right? And you don't get the, trying to decide what kinds of decisions I could be making. <clears throat> yes. Kind of moments. Um, I will say like, as far as like he, he's an imperfect character, like we're talking oh, about yeah. like, he's finding the resources that are there, but um, you know, as soon as like there are other people around, like it's just butting heads <laughs> pretty constantly. Uh, and, and that's not just him. Like uh, we've said, some of these characters are the worst, uh, but and we, we've talked about but, the gender, but, role. but like he is not the peacemaker. Yeah. He is like, he is engaged in the conflict. Yes. And we've talked about the gender roles. Um, one thing that stood out to me is like, we end up with the group coming out of the cellar. At this point, we have three men and three women. And one of the lines and, of, and a, and a child and a child. And one of the lines of dialogue that gets used is if the three of us work together, we can get through this. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's right. Uh, extremely dismissive. I don't know about that count, that head count that was just done. <laughs> Uh, I don't think that's from him. I think that's from, uh, oh, what's the name of the teenager? Is it, it's something with a T. Is it Tom? Ted or Tad? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Tom. Yeah, Tom. Um, yeah, I think that, that one's from Tom. But I just remember like, mm, I kind of caught on that. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and, and there's, uh, we've mentioned like the fight with the gun. And then he shoots, um, he shoots Harry. And, 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 and like, is that possibly him saying, it's like, look, if I'm like, if I'm going to make it out and if I'm going to help anyone else make it out, this guy's got to go. Yeah. And th- there's in terms of like the guerrilla filmmaking, it is super impressive what was accomplished. But there's definitely some moments where I feel like the, uh, uh, you know, a bigger budget could help the action or clarity or like more takes or even some better performer. Like, like uh, you know, Tom, the, the, a couple of his like monologue it reminded me of what i must have looked like reading a monologue in high school <laughs> a little bit like tom is, yeah. is maybe not he's one of the the amateur actors they just grabbed him like okay here's what you got to say um, or, or part of the crew when, when he when he's doing like quick reactions he's fine but there's there's a couple like long lines of dialogue that i'm like oh i bet that's what i sounded like <laughs> when i was trying my acting <laughs> uh, uh ben is great uh Dwayne, uh what, what's his uh the actor's name it is um uh, Dwayne Jones. I was impressed yeah. with with his performance. He's, he's really really solid. Like he is, he's 
pretty compelling. Like, there's a reason he's the lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great facial reactions. And as we've said, like, even when he's not talking, he you you know what's going through his head. Like, like great physical acting is happening. And and he definitely can, um, you know, deliver the dialogue. And talking about, like, he's not perfect. There's the moment like, he does slap Barbara at one point when she's having a freak out, which, you know, not not a great moment on film <laughs> to, to mm-hmm. have. Was a standard move. That, that I'm not just condemning this film for doing that. That was a, a standard thing to have the hysterical woman who got slapped. Uh, yeah. To the point that it's getting lampooned in Clue in the, you know, in the 80s. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you know, th- there's that moment. Uh, he's uh, doesn't have a whole lot of patience with Barbara when she's going into shock. Uh, just kind of becomes okay. You sit right there, uh, yeah. and, and so, so I, th- I think sometimes with these kinds of films, when you have um, your your leader uh, in a survival scenario, there is a tendency now, I think, often to have them almost be like super skilled, like superhumanly skilled, and we don't have yeah. that. And or, then that- or or um. Or they have some sort of edge on inspiring people or mm-hmm. motivating people or getting people to work together. And there is nobody performing that role. Like yep. there, there is no like leader coming through. Like Ben is arguing and fighting and, and he, like, he's got arrogance going on. He's got a chip on his shoulder towards, um, towards Harry. Harry seems a little racist. Does. Um, yes. <laughs> and, and so you have this, this conflict and you're like, okay. Like, I see what's going on, and I don't want to side with Harry, but also I'm like, man, Tom, like, you're not doing yourself ben. a ton of favors. Ben, or, ben. Yeah, Ben, 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 you're not doing yourself a ton of favors here as far as, like, being the hero of the story. Yeah, like, this is a high-tension situation, and no one is trying to defuse it. It's <laughs> kind of yeah. what we have. Um, and then also, but, I think, I think the you're others... right about that, about that superhuman mm-hmm. leader kind of um like you're, you're jack on lost you know you know something mm-hmm. like that uh, but the yeah, other... they step up and and everyone just starts following them and like it makes sense in those but in this one you're like oh yeah what is it like to not have one of those yes but then the other character type that he ends up taking on that we do not see coming as an audience is he becomes in some ways a martyr character but he is not the noble martyr who was like too good for this for this world it is just tragedy uh is what takes him away and he was just a, a human right he, he wasn't better than everyone else uh that died uh he wasn't um you know you know uh, you know one, one of these noble characters uh that gets cuts down to, to like tug at our heartstrings um and and he's not um to go in line with like that superhumanness of him like he is scared when he's in the cellar mm-hmm. when he's alone in the cellar like he he gets into a corner yeah like and you see that that fear and then when he's coming out and right before he gets shot, he is like, is it OK? Like, it, like there's this sense of like release, tension release and, and this fear releasing is like, am I saved? Um, and so you don't have that like hyper heroic. I'm so I'm so courageous mm-hmm. um, kind of attitude from him either. And and that moment of like release, as you said, and, and relief that you see play out on on the actor's face on um, Dwayne's face. It's it makes it just again, like so sad when he gets shot and then the editing um like it is a montage of like still photography of his dead body is the closing uh, of the film uh mm-hmm. it, like you are not allowed to look away like you are meant fully to dwell in and experience uh the the needless and senseless way that uh that ben was killed at the end of this film and that's what you're left with uh as your takeaway yeah and um and his like his relief and and like the fear that you saw him feeling in in the previous scene and everything, I think is is fairly starkly juxtaposed with. Callous isn't the word I want, but the the posse is just so 
they've moved beyond fear, right? Like if, if they were afraid, they aren't now, but they might've never been afraid because they are, they are in the dominant position. And so they're just like, oh, there's another one. Just shoot it. Yeah. And they're just sweeping through the countryside, basically shooting anything that moves. Yeah. And so they don't have any of the tension, right? None of the discomfort, none of the, like, we feel out of place. We feel pressured. We feel small. You know, their, their world has not been creeping in on them. Yeah. And it's not that, uh, even that uh, they, they've lost control or whatever we take it, it is they are enforcing control it is, you know, the attitude. Um, yes. Yeah. That like they're coming from somewhere where where this threat did not affect them mm-hmm. and they're coming to all the other affected areas. Yeah. Um, one thing that I do want to ask you, uh, like this is, as we said, like the such an important zombie film uh, considered the first modern zombie film. What kind of zombies do we actually have here? <laughs> I mean, these would be the shambling zombies. I mean, like, so they're like, their faces are like very pale and then they've got dark around their eyes. It, it actually reminds me of the way um, in Karate Kid, yeah. the the jerk guys dress up as skeletons mm-hmm. with the white faces and the dark eyes and, and like dark around their lips. Oh, I'm there with you. I see it fully. Um, in fact, Johnny, Johnny, how, how wait, I'm getting a connection. Karate Kid on this podcast. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Has it not been covered? No. I, no. Part of me just assumed it was. <laughs> um. Put it on the list. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like they are, they're not gruesome or grotesque in their appearance, right? They are not dissolving the way, like in The Walking Dead, like those zombies are decaying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's rotting um, flesh and and like just and gross, so, putrid, oozing, rotting flesh. And it seems like it's like, no, these zombies are essentially whole as soon as, like if somebody starts getting eaten, they don't turn into a zombie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of minimal as far as like the gruesome factor and they, yeah, they just kind of wander up. They never seem to hurry. Yeah. Like there's a little, like the first zombie that we get up in the graveyard seems a little more spry and limber. Uh, yeah. Like he moves quick enough to like grab someone who is backing away from him. And he like hurries around the car. Like, like he, he. He seems to have a a higher speed than when we started getting the shots of looking out from the window and just seeing the slow moving, which it it is in some ways like more horrifying to just see the slow moving mass coming, coming towards Mm -hmm. the, like that's, that's the right choice at that moment. And uh, when she locks the, you know, locks the car door to have the zombie, like quickly scoot around the back of the car to try and get to the other door. That also works as a choice. If all you're going for is fear and not being as concerned with like consistency of uh, the supernatural element, uh, or I guess a radiation based element of this film. Yeah. (laughs) And so that, that first zombie, like the way he moves, like it, but it's not like, it's not quick, Mm -hmm. but he's just like, I'm I'm getting around. I'm yeah. getting around. You know, like he's not running, he's not jumping. Um, but like, yeah, he's he's moving, like you said, more more quickly than we see any of the other zombies. It seems like maybe like in the heat of the moment, they can amp up a little bit, but that's still like not nearly as fast as as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like she gets to the car, but then she, uh, you you said she could she could have just outrun. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, like later on, she essentially does. You know, she just runs to the farmhouse and it like some of it's like, okay, in the heat of the moment or like the proximity, like they get agitated and they can, you know, start hitting harder and stuff. And there's a level of problem solving, especially with like the first one, like they um, and I remember this actually 
when we were talking about like what is scary, something about the black and the white contrast when the zombie's trying to get in the car and the hands keep pressing against the window, something about the shading of the black and white hands uh, mm. and the way the shadows go with, yeah. with the hands directly pressed against the window, I think was far creepier than if that scene had been in, in color. Uh, but when they can't get through the window, that first zombie does go and grab a rock and, and break the window. So there's a degree of intelligence that seems to, you know, at but least it seems, a mild problem solving is happening. Yeah, it seems like it's maybe the extent of like use a blunt object, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't if if you gave the zombie a choice between a rock and a stick, I don't know if it could like think <laughs> through that, right? Um, but it's like okay, blunt object does more damage. Yeah, it, it like it's glass that, though. I mean, that's you know, yeah, there's like, something happening there. They're they're afraid of fire. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they know that fire is intimidating. Um, they will they will pound on things. It seems like they like do target the cellar door and then give up on it. And so there's like there's some sort of decision making metric for like how long they're going to put forth an effort mm-hmm. before abandoning. Yeah, it, it is. I can't remember because I remember like catching like why exactly are they turning away? Is it just daytime like sunlight? Are they leaving because of sunlight? Like there seemed to be some element. Yeah, I don't know that they're Is they're it walking like the away. Radiation mm-hmm. was it just the passage of time? Uh, but then we still have like the the posse walking around, and and you do see even in daylight the posse d- does shoot zombies. It's not just that the, Ben's the only one we see get shot. They have shot other yeah. zombies uh, out there uh, during the day. So yes, the the as far as like the narrative, I I don't remember ever really bother bothering me until now that we're trying to break it down. Like why do they turn away? <laughs> from the farmhouse at the end <laughs> yeah um so yeah like they're the slow moving zombies the the very mild problem solving world war z zombies are very very different that's the like super sprinter zombie like they, they yeah. have somehow been granted like super soldier serum in their zombification yeah they are so fast and not like problem solving but they are collaborating right like they will pile on each other and take advantage of each other mm-hmm. but it's not because someone's lifting them up it's just like well here's someone to step on i've not seen that one but i remember the trailers of like the zombie horde like becoming a, a human slash zombie ladder to try and like rise up to grab a helicopter out of the sky basically like yeah. the, the zombie pyramid uh of again not like planning okay i stand here you stand here you stand here just like the the mass trying to rise up higher crawling on top of each other uh, at super speeds getting up there yeah um and and i think in some others you see zombies that are have like greater intelligence than what we get what we get in this one uh, yeah um you see you definitely like deal with zombies that are super strong or super powerful in some way right like they're um they're you know lifting cars mm-hmm. um or or you know like a group of three of them is starting to tip a car over instead yeah. of um, instead of, you know, it'd take like 12 people. Um, and so these seem like it's like, no, not extra strong, not extra fast, like maybe maybe a tiny bit strong. Yeah, like the supernatural element and the danger is definitely the, the like the horror element is is what's driving it not the uh like the supernatural threat of again like the super speed or super strength or any of those elements yeah and like i think this this film does something really impressive where it doesn't have any sense of like the threat being massively widespread right like it seems like okay this is pretty much the east coast of the united states probably the northeast coast of the united states mm-hmm. like you know like, yeah, we get this is like, like pennsylvania uh, new york new jersey 
But the threat is really like f- for this film, it is this farmhouse. That's all that, yeah. that we care about. It is very personal and uh, and narrowly focused. This is not the sense of like uh, the apocalypse is going to wipe out humanity. Yeah, this is not like a, a lone survivor or we're the last holdout. Can we maybe find some other survivors? It's like, no, like it's going to be OK, but like you're in danger. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the news report says, like, here's here's what we go in. But the news is still there. So that means that things are relatively under control. And, and like you see like uh, military leaders being interviewed as they're walking out of the Pentagon. So it's not like, you know, the government structure has broken down. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like so, civilization somehow is still functioning at, on this night of the living dead. Yeah. And so it, um, it it becomes more of like that isolated horror instead of like the massive existential horror horror like this is overrunning the planet or any of those things um but you still have enough people where it's like okay this is a community who has to deal with a threat Mm -hmm. you know like you have just enough people to to make it a, a community yeah and not and not like a family but i think the film does uh, you, the message isn't like, oh, the community can come together. Like, this is a broken community. No, and everyone's no, like, close to, to coming together at all. Like, the, the community, <laughs> like, is dysfunctional. And I think one reason why we feel that so keenly is that, like, our eyes th- that we end up following, even though they're not, like, the initial – Barbara is our initial view. But but having Ben be our main character, um, and as we said, like, Harry comes off as kind of racist. <laughs> um, and there's, um, like, like, there's a sense of outsiderness that – I think we still are are deliberately being shown for for Ben, even as like there's this literal other threat uh, mm-hmm. that is out there. There's still a sense of separate separateness in 1960s America for a black man from... that is being shown deliberately as part of the the way this is framed, as the way the story is told, and then that tragic ending of him just being shot. Um, yeah. And I think some of that is like it'd be very different if he came out of the cellar. Right. If he had been with them at any point in time. Mm -hmm. But the fact that like four or five, depending on how you count Karen, um, you know, white people come out of the cellar and he's like, you guys were here the whole time not helping me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's that moment of huge tension where it's like, you heard me. Well, because Harry's story changes. Right. This is part of it is they're like, well, we, we didn't know anyone was up here. Uh, And and then uh, he's still yelling at them about, you know, we you you could have helped us to board up everything he's like well we heard like all the bashing around up there we didn't know what was going on it's like so did you hear me or not because his story just changed um Mm -hmm. uh uh, and so yeah there's um definitely ben is but but you also get the sense is like now i don't think harry like peeked up and saw that it was a black guy mm -hmm. and then decided he's like he's like he's like he's like i'm just not helping anybody yes yeah uh Um, but then but then he well like he he has a he feels threatened mm -hmm. Uh, you know by the fact that it is a black person and we do find out that like harry and his wife like she says there's one line in there like it may not be like we may be struggling to live together but let's get through this night <laughs> something like that um, mm-hmm. like oh his marriage is also broken because he is a horrible person yeah because <laughs> because he's terrible um but also for for ben i think uh, contributing to that sense of isolation uh i mean we have barbara and johnny so we have the siblings at the very beginning and she sees her brother die but she had that bond and then everyone that comes out of the cellar it's you know the teenage couple there's a unit the husband wife and the child uh but ben is um he's he's alone he hasn't been made alone by the threat like barbara was he literally like uh, we don't know what his story was we're never given his backstory like we are told how everyone else got into the farmhouse Ben just arrives. Yeah, he shows up yeah. and he is alone. So it's like, mm-hmm. did he lose somebody or was he alone? Like, he he's the one who shows up in isolation. Yeah. 
Um, and it, it's just, it's such a fascinating text to look back at because again, like the, the zombie genre is just so prevalent and um, is so ingrained that like everyone kind of knows what a zombie story is and the beats of the zombie story now. Uh, but we didn't when this one, when this one was made. And, uh, and it's just, again, like one of my favorite bits is that the word zombies never said, even though everyone knows this is the zombie movie. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, like, it's like someone else said, it's like, okay, I want to make some of that stuff. I'm going to call them zombies. <laughs> Yes. And I'm like, I don't know who decided to do that. Like, maybe it's in one of the other five films. Mm-hmm. Um, but like somehow, yeah, it's like, no, like these are zombies. Like, there's nothing about these guys that are, isn't zombie. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's, you know, like we said, an important tense, uh, text for that touchstone, for everything that's come after it, for the way the franchise has still, you know, been carried on and is still going on. Uh, so so um, hugely important. I, but then also like as far as like this self-contained story and you know not thinking about you know the way this rolls out like what a downer of a film <laughs> like, just there's mm-hmm. there's no positive emotion that comes out of this film at all um and i did want to say um back to a topic we were talking about earlier with like the threat being you know small and the the farmhouse and everything the other kind of interesting factor is the threat doesn't have anything to do with like the survival of the human race mm-hmm. or or you know society or anything like that it's like no they're just going to kill us and eat us and that's <laughs> creepy enough yes right like like death and and cannibalism it feels gross and scary yeah yeah and and they just kind of like lean on that like we don't have to make it bigger we don't have to make it the whole world Mm-hmm. Like this person is afraid of being killed and eaten. Yes. And I think um, we, we've touched on like there, there's these themes that you can definitely find for a 1960s text that has this character and this end. Like there's racial things. There's definitely Vietnam feelings to the shots of the posse and the way they're marking, marching through and just shooting everything that moves. I, I think that's there. But the overwhelming like when you're watching the film, the, it is that sense of individual dread is definitely the the horror that, that you're feeling. And then later on, you can think about those you know were there you know uh social commentary that was happening was there um you know the the you know, political discourse that was happening and as romero says well of course <laughs> like we're, we're sitting in the farmhouse and yes we're talking about how this is going to be received uh but when you're watching the film there's definitely the uh like are, are they gonna get out is anyone gonna make it oh he made it no man he didn't <laughs> it's like you feel such a rush of like oh he made it and then just a letdown. Like, they really destroy you with that. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely effective. Yes, definitely. Well, Andrew, do you have any final thoughts on Night of the Living Dead uh, as this film or the character of Ben, our protagonist? I I genuinely do agree with the National Film Registry. <laughs> this, on this one, one needs to be you preserved. Know, like, <laughs> like, it's amazing. As much as like, I don't like horror films and I'm like, I'm not itching to revisit this on a regular basis. I can respect them. Like, this is really, really good. <laughs> this is well done. And, and I, I really love like the scrappy underdog story of it's making too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of those that definitely uh, like some of the behind the scenes stuff is like, it just adds to my appreciation and also adds to my appreciation, but also lets me excuse some of the stuff like, uh, you know, in the fight when, uh, uh, ben and Harry are having the fight. Like the the punching doesn't look great, <laughs> um, but then it's oh, like, yeah. oh, well, they didn't have any stuntmen, and <laughs> this was just uh, two people with a camera pointed at them, saying, "Okay, fight, but don't hurt each other." And uh, yeah, I'm willing to excuse that. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, Tom's monologue delivery not the greatest. I'm willing to excuse it because who knows who that guy was? <laughs> just grabbed him and said, "Okay, memorize this and uh, say it." Uh, the, you know, this wasn't uh, the the cream of like Hollywood 
uh, elite uh, making this with with all the budget. This was just a group of guys with a camera wanting to make this film and uh and it's gone down in history uh they, they, they succeeded have we done any zombie films before on the uh, or stories on the podcast i was trying to think through um i mean you did you you've mentioned i zombie oh we did and do so i zombie yes yeah, so, so yeah la- last at, last at october that we one, did I-Zombie. i think that would be the main one yeah i i mean we i know we've done like hellboy which is like there's zombie stories in there, but I don't think we touched on any particular zombie stories in the ones that we, we talked about. So uh, about time we, we covered one of the most popular genres genres of the last 20 years. I think it's, it's mm-hmm. like a, it, the way uh, Westerns uh, you know, were for a time in Hollywood, like superheroes and, and zombies kind of took over after the wave of uh, in the nineties, we had the wave of vampire films and then it kind of switched to yeah, zombies. Zombies, there. zombies was real solid, you know, 10 years or so mm-hmm. ago. All right. Well, that is going to wrap up this discussion. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. For show notes and links to all of the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd like to thank Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. Uh, you can reach us by emailing feedback at ProtagonistPodcast.com, or so on Twitter. You can follow at ProtagonistPod or at Jay and our producer, Andrew, is at DizMinute, and our Facebook fan page is Facebook.com slash ProtagonistPodcast, and Dueling Genre also hosts a discord channel if you are using discord you can find us there as well as all the hosts of the dueling genre podcast thanks again for listening we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story so long start the recording and we can go for it all right